to the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. As you heard from the great Joel Gertner, I'm your host, Will The Thrill. And I am your co-host, Joe Static. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. We drop these podcasts every Saturday. We are a weekly episodic wrestling figure podcast. And if you're listening, please, listeners, write a review. It helps us out. We'll also post your review on one of our social media accounts like Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SQD Circle AFP. And coming soon, we'll be launching our weekly YouTube live streams, the Wrestling Figure Roundtable at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. Well, Joe, how's everything going this week? Got any news for us? Everything's going pretty pretty good, Will. Can't complain on my end. Yeah, actually, I do have some news. Once again, based out of the Boss Fight Studios, they released some new info on their premium line. I feel like, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about this line, but once it hits, based on the renderings that we're seeing online, I think it's going to be pretty sick, man. So they released two figures that are going to be in their premium line, which is basically each figure is a six-inch scale in scale, once again, you know, what we talked about last week with Mattel's WWE action figures, uh, each figure is highly detailed, highly articulated. Each figure comes with interchangeable heads, interchangeable hands, one accessory, and it's packaged in a window box. So, you can, you know, in case you're an MOC like we are, you know, you get a nice full display. The two new figures in their line, their premium line, which is Conan from his early 90s debut when he was in Mexico. It's blue and pink attire, which is really cool. Pops really nice on the figure. The sets of hands that come are, are taped like he used to do a lot when he wore the mask. And they also released Lady Maravilla, which is pretty cool. Once again, she has a second head, her main head on the premium figure is a black mask the other head which we can swap is a pink mask she has her pink and black attire very articulated and the figures look great man mucho caliente baby these legends of lucha libre figures by boss fight studios are amazing i did see the conan and the lady maravilla maravilla i, I guess that's how you pronounce it yeah sorry for butchering the name i heard maravilla and Mala maravilla so <laughs> yeah we're not experts in spanish even though i did give the mucho caliente right there wait hold on should i do something i might remember here on conan's part are you gonna remember this i think i am gonna remember this L- l- let me speak on this orale. Orale, 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 orale. 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 oh yeah oh yeah so conan looks great i agree with you i also like that they gave him the hairy chest now if you go back to last week's episode 
episode five, we had Jeff from the Fully Posable podcast on the gorilla position, and we actually talked about the six inch scale. We went scaling through the years in wrestling figures. That was a very fun conversation. So yes, we did talk a little bit about Boss Fight on there and their six inch scale. I do like this Conan figure. We also talked about the Kelly and Rey Mysterio Jr. in last week's episode, which was an Oh My God figure of the week. And this Conan and his attire actually reminds me a little bit of that Conan from the AAA Kellyan line that we talked about last week. A different color attire, but same period and time in which they're depicting Conan from. I also like that he has a hairy chest. I think that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, love these Boss Fight Studios, Legends of the Lucha Libre Live. Love the boxes as well. I love the window boxes. They looked great. They're going to come with a bunch of accessories, including the hands and all that jazz. So yeah, very, very fun, man. I'm really interested in Conan's attire. I really like the uh, the pink and blue. You don't see Conan every day with the masks especially back in the day, you know, I wasn't too familiar with him wearing the mask. So you get the main mask that's the pink and blue, and then you get the other mask, which is pretty interesting. Almost has like a Baraka look from like Mortal Kombat. And Conan did start wrestling in WCW with a mask. So it's relevant even to that time period, the 90s. I mean, you can display him as a AAA Conan or even a early WCW Conan as well. So great figure. Very excited for Boss Fight and this Legends of Lucha Libre line. So that's it for the news this week. And let's move on to this week's Gorilla Position. And welcome to this week's edition of the Gorilla Position. What we'll be talking about this week on the Gorilla Position is the Mattel SDCC at-home panel preview. So Mattel announced their SDCC virtual panel for 2020. This will take place on Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. The panel will be moderated by Sam Roberts. It will have Bill McKenna and Corporate Steve, Steve Ozer, from the Mattel WWE Elite Squad and superstars, WWE superstars, including Edge, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, and Ricochet. Quite the panel there. Pretty NXT-centric. We know Bill absolutely loves the NXT brand. He loves creating NXT characters. I'm excited to see what they reveal. I think you're going to get a ton of NXT superstars. That's why it's an NXT-filled roster. Edge is there, so I'm only assuming they're going to give him a new figure, whether it's the introduction of the Edgehead figure or something new. I can only assume we're going to get something new regarding that Edge figure. I'm also pretty positive we're also going to see the new renderings or even prototype images of the Hollywood Hogan Ultimate Editions, the Fiend Ultimate Edition. I'm pretty excited for this panel. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I was thinking that today, uh, driving in the car on my way home from work. I don't know what to expect, to be honest with you. I mean, are we going to see more renderings or new figures of Mr. T? Are we going to see, you know, WrestleMania 1 Mr. T or other Mr. T figures, which I was curious about? Are we going to see new Masters of the Universe figures, which I'm pretty sure we're going to see probably Wave 4, maybe Wave 5? You know, I feel like they're always pulling something out of left field. Are we going to see more Legends? Are we going to see a completely new figure line? I'm sure we'll see more elites. Are we going to see retros? They're bringing retros back. You know, I was thinking that. No, I, I don't think they're going to bring retros Imagine back. Imagine bringing retros back, Mattel Creations. 
something exclusive on a website or having an all women's retro line retro series uh, 11 something new you know just to bring it back yeah I, I yeah i think that's a long shot personally especially through mattel creations because again it's not a money grab they're too cheap what are they going to charge 9.99 14.99 whatever it is i just don't see it happening i just think retros i just don't think they're ever coming back they're having a lot of success with the masters of the wwe universe line and that's where they're going to put all their time and effort yeah so that's my opinion at least on the retros the only way I think we get another Mr. T figure is if we get him as a basic. I believe they had an unreleased Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 1 or that time period that was in a basic form. Yeah. And I could see them doing a two-pack with Hogan and him, which would be fun, right? I mean, because they only need a basic body for Mr. T, you know, put him in some, I don't know what color tights he wore. Was it? blue or maybe the red tights, but you have the face scan. So that makes sense. But yeah, I agree. I think we're going to definitely see the new line of legends. We're going to definitely see at least two more sets of the masters of the WWE universe. You're going to see Rio Ripley's figure here. You're going to see NXT figures. You're going to see the Viking Raiders, all those guys, Keith Lee. I'm pretty excited. I think it's getting to the point, at least with legends figures that it's becoming a little bit diluted there's not much left you know what i'm saying i mean there's a lot left but it's like what else can they do what else can they do you know i'm always a broken record on my end you know me i want the one man gang i want slick i want dino bravo i say the same thing if steve's doing a q a it's like a broken record over here i'm like can we get one man gang he even says it now he's a (laughs) i would love a one man gang I'm like, dude, that's top of my list, man. You know, we got the Akeem in the Legends line, which I love that figure. Will, that's on my wish list, man. I need the gang. Yeah, I think you're going to get him eventually. They made that prototype for him. It's already designed. You know, the figure is designed. Oh, man. I just think it's it's a matter of him being signed to a WWE Legends deals. Until that happens, we're not going to get him, you know. But once that does happen, you can definitely throw him into the legend series. It makes sense. You know, is there any guy that like my list top of the list? I need that one man gang. Is there any, anybody like top of your list that you're always hoping you'll see from the legends line legend side? Uh, Like you're like, man, I'm waiting for the day when I see this. The only real figure I would say about that would be Owen Hart. But, you know, again, you're not we're never going to get him. You know, Owen Hart, Chris Benoit, you know, those are the untouchables. The others. What about, you know, I what can, about like I a can, Bruiser Brody? Eh, Wish list, maybe? Eh, eh. I'm happy with his classic superstars figure right now. Again, I'm not. it doesn't resonate with me because I really didn't grow up watching these guys. I like Dino Bravo and all. I think he's a great wrestler. I think we talked about it. You know, like we definitely need a Rick the Model Martel, another one of his oh, figures. Man. Another one that I could throw off the top of my head that I absolutely would love would be Hercules oh. you know, with the chain. You know, the the powder blue tights, something like that. I think if you're naming Dino Bravo and superstars or wrestlers like that, I think Hercules, out of all of them, had that bigger persona. You know, everybody loved him. The music hit, you know, dun, 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 whatever, you know, you know, and, it, and everyone just got up and he would swing that chain in the ring and everything. And people would go for that. You know, that's just my opinion. I know. I- I know other podcasts talk about like getting a Dino Bravo and throwing it on Mattel Creations. If Dino Bravo's on Mattel Creations, that would never fund. I'm sorry. I just don't think it's going to fund. You know, what do you need? 10,000 figures to be produced? So what is the real goal? I think, you know, just, you know, a lot of the other wrestlers from that era, I feel like some people, you know, if they're 
completists and that's their favorite WWF era. I feel like that's the people like myself that you're like, I kind of want to Dino with the other guys. I think that's what we get caught up in. We're like, I like that era. I like Dino Bravo. I like Hercules. I like Billy Jack. I want those kind of guys with my other guys from that era. I think that's what we get stuck in. Dino Bravo was, was, you know, you know, you know, he was on a lot of major, you know, a lot of major WrestleManias. Even if we go to the custom side for a second, he's always being made, you know, LJ and custom, Mattel custom. Mm, I just think people want know. him in the I, mix. I, I think you know, people want him in the mix. I, I think people want him in the mix. I think it's blown up. I don't think enough people want him in the mix personally. I really think that he's like a Magnum TA. Everybody wanted the Magnum uh, TA. And yeah. What happened with the Magnum TA? Joe? It's on the pegs. Shelf warmer pegs. You can buy that figure for freaking 15, 20 bucks. Right it was now. actually at the shop I went to the other day. He was on the pegs. <laughs> exactly. Magnum TA is the perfect example of everybody wants it, but nobody wants it. Yeah. Okay. So let's be realistic, guys. Let's let's turn it down. You're not getting a Dino Bravo. I'd be very, very surprised to see it happen. I don't think it's ever going to happen, especially with him being on Dark Side of the Ring. I believe he still doesn't have a WWE Legends deal. Ain't going to happen, guys. I'm sorry to knock you back down into reality. As, <laughs> as long, know, that's what I do here. As long as you tell me there's a possibility I can get the OMG, I'm a happy guy. I think, yes, the I think the OMG is more of a possibility, actually, a because slick? again, we've- Give me a slick? Yeah, I give me a slick. I would like a slick. I'd like Mr. Fuji. I'd like a lot of those managers probably before- Wait, Will. Dino or any, anyone like that. Well, know? I have something. Something you might- want Mattel form. Oh, what is that? Adrian Adonis. Ooh. Now, Adrian Adonis. I think I found your guy. I must admit, I mean, here's the only thing I have to say about the adorable Adrian Adonis. Oh, man. Is watch his promos. All you have to do is watch his promos. That's it. And then watch his match versus Piper at, what was it, WrestleMania 3? WrestleMania 3. They both had the sleeper as their finisher. It was one of the best matches on at WrestleMania three. I'd probably rank it as number three, maybe even as high as number two on the card. And his promos, the guy cut promos like nobody else. And yes, I would absolutely love an Adrian Adonis figure. I don't know. Again, Joe, I, th- I think we're not going to get that. You know, we're already into the fall with legends. We know we're getting the warrior. We know we're going to get a reissue of uh, Paul Orndorff. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, they have that Legends series already completed for the full. The new Eddie looks good, too. I, I like the way the uh, Guerrero looks. I do like the new Eddie. Yep, with that blonde highlights in the hair. Yeah, I like that. Great, great looking figure. Great figure. But again, moving into 2021, I don't know who's next. You can see even what they're doing with the Legends line. You're getting an Eddie Guerrero, right? You're getting a warrior that's in an older version of him. Yeah. You're getting a reissue Paul Orndorff. Even in this line, you know, you got Greg, you got Razor Ramon, you got Bobby Heenan in a weasel suit. You know already that it's going to be a long shot for some of these guys. I think they'll throw in a Slickster. I think they'll throw in possibly a Fuji, if available. I think they would throw in a one-man gang, you know, similar to an Orndorff. But I think you're going to get this sort of thing. You may see a Sheik again. You may see a Volkov and then have a Hogan a warrior, an Eddie, a big, big name. You know what I say? Or a couple big names like a Razor, a Kevin Nash. 
With that said, let's get back to some other names that are more common, more known, one that will be returning in late 2020 and in 2021 is Hulk Hogan. So we know we're getting the Ultimate Editions, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, but what I'd really like to see from Mattel is to complete the puzzle of the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. We talked about this during our review of Elite 77 on Episode 2 of the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. We reviewed the Miss Elizabeth figure, and I feel that that was the foundation to making this match a figure reality. If you look back and you think of all the Macho Mans Mattel has tackled even throwing the Slim Jim version in there, they've pretty much checked off every Macho Man figure there is to make at this point. And a lot of people on the message boards, you know, when Steve does his Q&As, you see it from time to time. People want the Mega Powers Macho, and they want the Mega Powers Hogan with the Macho, I think. And now that you have the Elizabeth, piece that all together. If we can get that, if we can complete the Mega Powers, I think everybody on the message boards that asks, all the wrestling figure collectors, you know, macho figures in general are, are so toyetic. They are some of the best figures Mattel's ever released. So to put the macho mega powers on the list would just, I think, just top the list. You know, I think it would top it off. It really would for macho man figures. And now that we have Hulk Hogan back in the line, it's the perfect time. Rush it out. We have the Liz. And you don't even have to do a two-pack. You can release them as singles in the Legends line or in the Elite line. Because what I really want is I want these guys decked out in the Mega Powers entrance attires from SummerSlam 88. We would complete that puzzle. Want those entrance attires. I want to pair them with Liz. And most importantly... I know we mentioned this in the past. Mattel did release a basic two-pack of the Mega Bucks, which consists of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant, but we really need a new Andre the Giant figure. I don't know how that would conflict with his current Super 7 contract. I don't know if Andre is currently not signed with the WWE. We don't know the details of that contract and the limitations of it. But I would really like to see a new Andre the Giant. Same here, Will. I think it's overdue for another Andre. I feel like Andre is one of those superstars where you can never get enough uh, figures of him made. I think that's why Super 7 jumped on board with that. You know, they did the old school Andre, and uh, it looks great, that figure. But for Mattel to tackle Andre again, maybe, you know, do something along the lines of the Mega Bucks, I think that would be... A great addition for the Mattel roster, especially the Legends line. Throw Andre in there. That would definitely be something to see. It would. And I don't think we've got an Andre with a TrueFX scan. So I'd really like to see Mattel utilize that technology in any way possible, whether that be from photos, video footage, and really get an accurate Andre the Giant scan. Because they've come close And everybody, even Super 7, has come close, but they just haven't nailed it. So to get an Andre with an updated scan, maybe even in that Megabucks attire from SummerSlam 88, it could be really fun. It could be a great addition to the collection in elite form. 
So I agree with you. I think Andre is another name, a big name, more likely to be released. I'd love to see another Andre out there. So Mattel, you got our nod. Yeah, definitely. Another name that we were talking about that would be a great addition to any wrestling figure collection is Double J Jeff Jarrett. I think that's long overdue to have a classic early 90s Double J. The possibilities are unlimited. What would be his first attire? Would it be the Razor Ramon Intercontinental match from WrestleMania? You could do that since you got the Razor Ramon in the line. You could go back all the way back to his debut with the big Double J hat and jacket that lit up. I mean... Toyetic Superstars, this is one of the first in that era of a Toyetic Superstar, all for Double J. It's my understanding that we don't have Double J figures because he's in a lawsuit with another professional wrestling company to use his name and the rights to use his name, Double J Jeff Jarrett. There is some movement in that litigation. There could be some sort of decision or verdict settlement made soon. So I think that's the only thing holding back a Double J Jeff Jarrett figure. What would tires would you like to see him, Joe? You know, when he won the uh, Intercontinental title and, you know, his outfits after that, too, you know, he has I don't even know what you would call his his chest piece with the uh, like what, what would you call that? I don't even know, like his attire, because he's the only one that's really ever kind of done an attire like that besides his tights. So I don't even know what to call that that piece he wears, to be honest. It's like some BDSM shit or something, you know? Yeah. It's so weird, man. Choker with straps across. (laughs) I don't even know what what that's called. There's no like word for that. Maybe there is and I don't know it. No, I don't think there's a word for it. I think it's just a BDSM choker strap fucking, I don't know, whatever. Let's get down and dirty. Double J stop it. (laughs) Because if you look at it, I mean, he's the only one that could pull it off and you know, you're like, what the hell is he wearing? But you didn't really ask that back then, you know. But as far as the tires go, I mean, he's had, you know, the sparkly attires. He's had the blue, the blue and yellow. You know, you put the hat with that, maybe put the IC title and his guitar with that. He's a figure that you can go in so many different directions. And I think any direction would look great as far as that old school attire with Jeff. Honestly, man, I take I take any one they, they put out. Yeah, same here. I don't really have one off the top of my head like you said give him the attire the glasses the hat glow in the dark would be super fun yeah yeah his jacket too you could do a lot with his attire his jacket his you know his hat even the glasses exactly i know they had the chris jericho figure that had that kind of lit up jacket glow in the dark jacket if you could do something like that with double j that would be a home run. Let's get a double J on the line, hopefully sooner than later. And last but not least, with big names, we didn't talk a lot about tag teams. I'm going to start off with a tag team that I personally would like to see made before pretty much any other tag team that we haven't got in a WWE Mattel line. And that tag team, and this harkens back to one of our previous episodes, I'd love to see a British Bulldog the Dynamic Kid, the British Bulldogs. We are long overdue for British Bulldogs figures. Tag team champions, one of the best tag team champions ever in the WWF. Get the F in, baby. And I just love to see both of them in a Mattel figure form. Give it to me, baby. I know. that. That's, that's another... You know, you can go in a couple different directions because if you look at the British Bulldogs, when um, Davey, Davey Boy Smith had the short hair, 
They used to wear those like British flag sparkly jackets together with the white tights. Dynamite would wear the the baby blue and it'd be just a plane with the boots and Bulldog would wear just the red. I even think that would look cool, man, just doing the plane. And, you know, they come with the tag titles. But I honestly think if, it, if I had a pick, I would pick British Bulldogs with Matilda with the white pants, red and white boots, and give me the uh, the jackets with the top, the chest piece. So you get the cape and the uh, the front piece with the uh, British flag. It's a home run attire. Again, you know, checking all the boxes. Mattel doesn't like to do these two packs. I think it's been a failure. It's been pretty unsuccessful as we head into 2021. I've seen a lot of them discounted. They tried every which way to make them successful, but I just don't think people want to buy them. I have another idea. Instead of the two pack, why don't they do a four pack? Captain Lou Albana. And when they did the interview with Ozzy Osbourne, you do Ozzy with the bleached hair. Fuck, fucking drugged out of his mind. You do Ozzy, you do Captain Lou and the Bulldogs, do a four pack. I, I, I'd, I'd buy it. I'm not going to lie. All right, Joe, we got to we gotta get you back into reality here. Jeez, now we're going back <laughs> to the Dino Bravo garbage. Come on now. I don't want to offend anybody, but yes, I think that the British Bulldogs are at the top of the list for tag teams. I would absolutely love to see the Steiner brothers, but don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately, due to Scott Steiner. I think we have a chance to get Rick Steiner with an updated look, jacket, maybe having the M on the jacket, get the rights to the Michigan logo. That would be incredible. So I think for big names and big tag teams, that's what I'd like to see. Not asking for much there. It's all doable. You have some tag teams, right? Yeah, maybe the Killer Bees. You know, I don't think yeah, Mattel's never tackled like a Strike Force because I know the I, I've always loved the uh, Jack's Classic Strike Force and the Jack's Classic Killer Bees. Yeah, maybe give me a you know like a Killer Bees tag team, Strike Force. Maybe you can even do King Haku with Andre going back to Andre. I'll put them as a tag team. Maybe that's a possibility. We've had Bushwhackers, but. Yeah, I mean, there's so many tag teams, like you mentioned, the Steiner Brothers. There's a lot of possibilities, but I would love like a Strike Force or a Killer Bees. Yeah, and Strike Force would be over the Killer Bees on my list. You know, those are two guys that are currently signed with WWE deals, Legends deals. Put them in the line. Give me the jackets. Give me cloth jackets. And again, they don't have to be necessarily two packs. You can put them out in singles form. So those are great options as well. I got... What more tag team you might want, Will? What about the Can-Am connection? The Z-Man, baby. Tom Zink, Rick Martel, Can-Shit connection. You can give them like a bootleg, kind of like bootleg tag titles and a piece of shit inside the box. The Z-Man, Tom Zink. Oh, I love the Z-Man, Joe. He was the best. I mean, come on now. Z-Man, Galoob figure. Who did not love the Z-Man in WCW in the 90s? That was one of my favorite wrestling figures of all time. He was posed where you could do the flying elbow off the rope, you know, get off the rope on the Hasbro ring. Boom. Big elbow. You're talking about Dino Bravo. I'm, I'm being being uh, no, no, no go. Tom Zank is like, I don't even know what to call that. I don't even know. Come on, man. The Z-Man over to Dino and it in a week, baby. Come on. <laughs> Tom Z-Man had a figure made of him. All right. Come I on. Know. I know. Yeah, I guess Gloob Zinc is okay. He's just, I, I don't know, man. It's... <laughs> 
one of the most underrated figures of all time, the Gloob WCW Series 1, Z-Man Tom Zink with the elbow, flying off the Hasbro ring, ropes, boom, right into the stinger, baby. <laughs> God, I love that Tom Zink figure. But Joe, in all seriousness... It's going to be really tough to get people like the Killer Bees into the line. The Can-Am connection isn't even a possibility, dude. And I think Mattel Creations can do some of those things, but I don't know. Is it really the avenue for those kind of figures? They're not going to just do all crazy, crazy, obscure 80s guys that were mid or less Carters. You know, Brooklyn Brawler. Think about that. You know, you may see a Brooklyn Brawler eventually. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Maybe a Coco. Coco Beware. Yeah, maybe maybe a Coco Beware. Exactly. Perfect place to put a Coco Beware. But again, we're naming people that I want over Dino. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same here. I mean, got the wrestlers we just mentioned. Dino's on the bottom of that list. Let's be realistic. As far as known wrestlers, known superstars, I think everybody would be like, oh, my God, I want a Coco Beware over that with a bird and Frankie and all that jazz. I always want it. You know, we've never seen it, uh, you know, since the Galoob days. I need a fabulous Freebirds in that attire as Mattel. I would like, yes, uh, Michael PSAs and Jimmy Garvin, yep. you know, in their WCW attire. I love that attire. Yeah. That could be a possibility. We have not got a Michael Hayes yet. I would go insane, I think, if that came out. Not even do Jimmy right now, but if they could get Michael in the line, which he's signed with the WWE, so it would be upon his approval. Michael in the line with a Bad Street USA cap and a Bad Street USA shirt. I mean, I would need it. Okay, so do you want Dino Bravo or do you want Michael PSA, Fabulous Freebirds, Bad Street USA shirt? What do you think I'm going to say? Dino Bravo. <laughs> no way. Oh, well, I dude, mean, I'm, you know, I, the, dude, what, <laughs> I don't know. You just, I feel like I need the Dino Bravo, but he's still on the bottom of that list. I would like that. Sure. But as far as, you know, Freebirds, as far as getting Hayes, come on. This is kind of where I want to I want to end this for everyone out there in the wrestling figure collecting community. If you're looking at Mattel cre- creations to be your savior for some of this stuff. I think it can be, but it has to be done in the right way. It has to be done in a smart way. If you put a two-pack of the Freebirds decked out in cool packaging on Mattel Creations with Michael PSAs and Jimmy Garvin on there, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, with robes, with a Bad Street USA shirt, with Bad Street USA all over the packaging and all that stuff, that's going to sell. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you think that you want this one obscure figure like a Dino Bravo on there, that's not going to sell. Magnum TA is the perfect example that the figures valued at nearly close to nothing. They overproduced it, even though it was short packed in a main elite line, they overproduced it. You can't just listen to what fanboys want. And we all are fanboys at heart. I wanted the Magnum TA figure too. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it wasn't successful and it wasn't. That's just the facts. So when I look at Mattel Creations and I look at these releases, they can do some fun things. And I think the Mr. T is a very good example that maybe we get a gobbly gooker eventually as well. Oh my God. In Survivor Series packaging in an egg. Are you fucking kidding me? Come on now. Why am I not designing the figures from Mattel? <laughs> you know how they did the Barbasol cam for the Jurassic Park exclusive Nedry this year? Make it a big fucking egg. That would be insane. The egg breaks open, the gobbledygookers in the center, Survivor Series packaging. So guys, 
we're going to leave it at that. You have to be creative. You have to think that Mattel Creations is going to provide us with what we want, but in a creative, fun way. I would absolutely love a Dino Bravo figure, but does that really make sense? Dino Bravo is very plain attire, very plain. There's nothing to it. He's a great wrestler, one of the greatest of all time. Doesn't fit, in my opinion. Let's be realistic with our expectations. Again, the panel, the Mattel WWE Elite Squad fan panel, Comic-Con at Home, will be on YouTube Thursday, July 23rd at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, it'll be fun. I can't wait to see what's revealed. And we will discuss all the reveals on the podcast, which drops that Saturday. It's going to be the gorilla position, my friend. We're probably going to have an extra long intro gorilla position, and we will probably feature just that Mattel WWE Elite Squad fan panel and their reveals. So that's it. What do you want to see from the Mattel WWE STCC panel this year? Let us know. Go to our Twitter and Instagram pages at SQD Circle AFP and comment on any of this week's posts. That's it for this week's edition of the Gorilla Position. Oh my God! And welcome to the Oh my God, figure of the week. Wow, Joe, we got a great figure. We always have great figures on the Oh My God figure of the week because that's what this segment does. It is our Oh My God figures. And this week we have the old San Francisco toy makers, WCW Series 1 Vader. I like to call him Big Van Vader, because that's what I grew up knowing him as. So we're going to call him the Big Van Vader here. And boy, these figures were amazing. So original San Francisco toy makers acquired the WCW wrestling figure license and started producing these figures in 1994. These were fun figures because they actually didn't have any articulation. They harken back to the LJN days. And if people don't know, you can watch the toys that made us. OSFTM was founded by the people at Galoob. And the people at Galoob was founded by LJN. So all these companies have a history with one another. And that's why they stuck with this style or actually went back to it. They continued the line. Until 1997, these hard plastic style figures, until they released at that point a vibrating articulated figure, which we've discussed here on many episodes of the pod. We love these. They're great toys. They still vibrate today. And you can really, really cuddle up with them in bed. (laughs) So basically, these figures are amazing. What's very interesting, in 1994-1995, the roster in WCW changed drastically. You had new people like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage coming in to the promotion, and OSFTM thought that they would reinforce that by creating similar LJN-style figures because if you grew up in the 80s, you had Hogan, Macho in these hard plastic, large, non-articulated figures. So they figured, well, why don't we do a similar thing now that they're in this new promotion? We can update the paintwork. We can update the poses. And then you can kind of combine your collections, which I thought was very, very fun. Getting to 
a little bit about Vader in particular. What did you like about these figures, Joe? And maybe give us a little background on Vader and kind of his time in Japan and in WCW. When I think of WCW in that era, Vader always comes to mind first. And this figure in particular was my favorite WCW uh, original San Francisco figure. I love this Vader figure just to, to look back on it. He was always in my fig fed. I always played with this figure. And when Vader started or, you know, when his career started taking off, he was very popular throughout the 1990s. He started off in Japan. And then after, you know, he gained some steam in Japan, he went to WCW. And that's where he became a top star. He became one of the company's top stars and eventually he became the world heavyweight champion. So no brainer to put Vader in the uh, series one when the series one dropped in 95. And this would also be Vader's first U.S. released figure. So it's the first time Vader had a figure that was released in the U.S. So looking at the figure, you know, going over the figure, it was series one. He came on a very colorful card. You had the uh, WCW logo across the top. In purple and you had a nice yellow shade you know yellow line behind that so you had the pink and purple combo across the card which i liked about the uh san francisco cards is you had the wrestling ring in the background so the figure was posed like he was standing in the middle of the ring which was really cool underneath that underneath the wrestling figure you had the name of the superstar across the bottom which in this case vader is pictured on the card a little different than the figure in this case Vader on the card was in his all black attire and mask, which is all black. And he was wearing his fur like coat or throwover that he used to wear to the ring when he started. The actual figure on the card is a little different than the one that was released, where in this case, the figure is wearing a black and red attire. So mainly black. You had the red stripes down the legs of the tights and the boots were red with black around the sides of those. And the mask on the figure is a little different than the one on the card, too. The mask is mostly black with red going over the top. So a little different than the Vader pictured on the card, but still very cool. And it's pose, you know, he has the two fists that go up almost like he's flexing was great. The playability was awesome too on this figure, which I feel like you can do a lot with. And when you were playing with this Vader figure with your other figures, he could pretty much do anything. You know, he could do the Vader bomb, power bomb, you know, the splash, moonsault, you name it. This figure could do it. Yeah, Joe, I agree with you. So this is a fantastic figure. I remember when I was a kid, this was along with the Ric Flair from this series. The first two figures I ever got from the old San Francisco Toymaker WCW line. I did have all of series one and I still have some of them mint on card today. They were incredible figures. I absolutely love the card backs as well. I love how it had that kind of lightning or electric design on the background. I love, like you said, with the ring. And I absolutely love the photo of Vader. It does show him in his fur cape. He would come out with the Mastodon helmet. He would come out with the fur cape at times as well. So I loved it. I wish they incorporated that into the figure. These were beaters when you were a kid. I remember didn't have an OSFTM ring when they first came out. I had my Hasbro, so they'd go right in the Hasbro ring and they would basically demolish my Hasbro figures. I would literally beat the heck out of everyone because Vader was such a big dude 
that it would be so fun to pair him with some of those little guys and just have him demolish them. I absolutely love the playability of it as well with the actual figures of the line because, like you said, he could do everything. He could do the Vader bomb. He could do the Vader saw. You had it all with these figures. And for me, I never had LJN, so this was the first time I was introduced to this style of figure, this hard plastic, non-articulated style. I always like to say that this, in this instance, bigger is better. The Hasbros, though, really have the motion in the ocean. So, <laughs> you know, that's kind of my saying when it comes to these two lines. Love the figure. Going back really quick, as you discussed, this is his first U.S. release as well. He did have some Japanese releases prior to this which were really cool. It's an NJPW or some people say AJPW Noah figure. That's one of the one of those figures, man. You know, people are always after that. Yeah, so this is a great figure and for all those reasons, this is why we picked this to be an oh my god figure of the week. Now, really quick, we do disagree a little bit about one thing. I believe Joe, you told me that you think this is the best Vader figure in your opinion of all <laughs> time. Now, for me, it is an oh my god figure of the week for all the things we mentioned, but the best Vader figure of all time. I think I said one, one of the best. Oh, okay. I <laughs> thought you said the best Vader oh. figure of all time. Uh, I don't know. You know. You know. Well, I don't know. It might be me. It might be the year when I got it. My age. I just love this Vader figure, man. You know, it's so nostalgic and brings me back to that freaking day when I found it in that small department store. My mom. The small department store always had these uh, original San Francisco's on the pegs for some reason. They didn't carry any other figure, and I would always go there to get a haircut. And then my mom, after my haircut, would take me across the department store, and I would go downstairs. They had it like a two-floor. That's where I would see these figures, WCW figures, man. And This Vader figure in particular just brings me back, man. That's why I always put it up there. I love the, the pose and you know, the playability of it. But is it the best one for me? I don't know. It's one of the best. It's probably one of the best. And nostalgia reigns supreme here. I personally loved the Elite Mattel one where he came with the Mastodon helmet. I thought that was an incredible figure. It just checks all the boxes. He's got the helmet. I would have loved for them to give him an accessory here of some sort. I understand it wasn't the way they went at the time. You know, they eventually included some accessories with the figures like Sting eventually had a baseball bat and they did include titles. But I'm so on the fence with this. I think that it does have such nostalgia for me too. I mean, I just remember being a little kid and love hating Vader, man, you know, with the V. I got my hands right now with the V and who's the man? Who's the man? Going back, seeing that spin the wheel, make the deal match between him and Cactus Jack at Halloween oh Havoc, God. man. How great a match was that? Being a young kid, it just opened my eyes to a different style of wrestling that I never saw before. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, it was so great. It was. I would always go to the Blockbuster, or it might have been Palmer video or Blockbuster video. I think it was Palmer. It was Palmer. By yep. me. That was by me too. Yep. I would rent the Halloween Havoc just to watch that match over and over and over again. Match was incredible. Yeah. I just remember remembering Harley Race being his manager. How good was that oh, too? Oh, man. You know, that just added the extra layer, just the extra layer. I mean, guys, if you don't know Vader in the early 90s or any of his Japan work, you have to go back 
and do your watching because his WWF run was hot trash, hot garbage. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's pretty sad. Garbage. Yeah, it's pretty sad. So if you only know him by that, you got to go back to the WCW time. You got to go back to the NJPW, All Japan Pro Wrestling, I believe. Is well, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, you think it was prior to that? AJPW. AJPW. Go back and watch some of his matches from there. The easiest one you're probably going to find in the WCW era, the Cactus Jack spin the wheel, make the deal is, is tremendous. That's why we love this Vader figure. It checks all the boxes. It's got great playability. It's great to put on display. And that's why we made it an, oh my God, figure of the week. The world will never forget the name of. And you will never forget the name. Jack's Pacific TNA Genesis. Oh, Joe, I absolutely love this line. It does not get talked about pretty much ever. And this is why it's on. You'll never forget the name. It's such a great line. So if our listeners don't know, this is part of the Jack Specific TNA wrestling figure license. This license actually was held by Jack Specific from 2010 to 2014. This is right after their WWE license expired. They went right into TNA, started producing RA style figures, deluxe aggression style figures. And from right off the bat, the TNA Genesis series. And wow, this series was so cool because it was a five POA series. And when we talk about POA, we're talking about points of articulation these weren't even in RA body styles. This was a completely new body style they set for these figures. It was super fun. I love the 5 POA. You just had leg movement on both legs, arm movement on both arms, up and down, and then head movement side to side. What also made these figures super, super special is that the heads were actually the deluxe aggression heads with the deluxe aggression scan. So they were super lifelike. When you go back to last week's episode and we're talking about fun Toyota style toys created for kids or collectors, this is a great example of that. Joe, tell our listeners a little bit about the line, who was in it, and Go from there, man, because I love these figs. Yeah, I feel like these figs aren't ever talked about, Will, and you never see them displayed and you never see them in wrestling figure collections for some reason. Going down the line, the TNA Genesis series included, of course, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Jeff Jarrett, Suicide, and Sting. That was the lineup for the five figures that were released. They were released on single cards, almost like a, like a bootleg kind of card with a plain white back. You know, very thin, very, car, you know, they rip off the card pretty easy, almost like very, very cheap, very basic cards. Really quick, I remember them. These were not, for our listeners, released in major department stores, toy stores, or anything like that. I remember finding these at dollar stores and at yeah. Walgreens. Yeah, that's where I would see them. You see them at dollar stores, uh, Dollar General or Walgreens. 
that's where I kind of associated with, okay, these are TNA's cheap kind of figures just to get out. Yeah. And that was the single series that Joe just said, but they did have some three packs and four packs with some other guys in it as well. Right, Joe? The four pack has the Jarrett, the Angle, the Sting, and the Samoa Joe. Same, same figures, but they look better in that four pack than they do on those cards. When you look at the four pack of the Genesis uh, series, it looks great on the, as they're displayed in the four piece. And even with the three pack with the Suicide Kurt and AJ, they look so much better packed together than they do on the single cards. What was kind of weird on the single cards, uh, talking about those for a minute, is some of the guys were released without belts and some of them had belts. So if we're talking about suicide for a minute that was released, he has his single card without a belt and then his single card that came with the X division title, which I like. That was my favorite from the line. I like that the suicide came with the X division title on the single card. And same thing with the Jeff Jarrett and the AJ styles. They had plain without belts. And then they came with the TNA titles, which was really cool. I preferred them with the belts on the figures. I did too, Joe. It's funny. So these figures, and I think people don't understand this, as we were, you were saying, the three-pack and the four-pack, you put them all together, they look great on something that's a card that's more substantial. Or in this case, in the singles releases, when you paired them with something like a title, it really made the figure pop. I don't know what it was, but like you said, it just popped. And I don't know, like we have to do some research on this. I'm wondering if those single releases with the titles were some sort of chases. We gotta talk to Jeremy about it. We gotta get the guy, the Godfather, you know, of wrestling <laughs> figs. We gotta get the Godfather of wrestling figs to confirm this for us because I have always wondered that. And you're right. It's just so odd how you could find them with titles, you could find them without titles. And it's only for those three wrestlers. Yeah. They look so much better with the belt, especially that X Division title on Suicide. I thought that made the figure really pop. The figures kind of creeped me out a little bit just by the body. You know, the body was a little smaller than the head. I mean, the heads looked great. I mean, especially the Jared head. It looks fantastic. Staying as well, but the Jared really stands out. But the heads being so much larger than the figure, I don't know. It just, you know, when they came out, it just creeped me out a little bit where I didn't want to get these figures. And maybe other people felt the same way, which is why you don't see them as much. But yeah, well, the heads creep me out a little bit, the size of them. They're a little larger. Again, they are the deluxe aggression heads. So when you look into the deluxe impact figures that were released after these, they were the heads used for those figures. So again, you're getting a really, really great head. But unfortunately, again, you just got that 5 POA basic body. Yeah. You know, and, and they put all their money into those heads. And these were relatively cheap when they were released. Again, dollar stores, they were about five bucks a pop, I believe, which was affordable and cool. I thought they were different than RA, which was fun. We knew that they were going into the DA territory. The main line was going to be Deluxe Aggression. But to have these to kind of satisfy that RA need, because everybody loved the RA figures at the time, I thought this was fun to release. I really like these figures. I just wanted to also quickly explain to our listeners that they had several unreleased figures too. So our buddy Sean NG, KWK collector, he actually has the unreleased versions of the rest of this set. And there are a lot. The TNA Genesis figures that were unreleased were Beer Money, James Storm, and Bobby Roode. You had Jay Lethal, 
You had Jay Lethal in a Macho Man gear, which looks awesome. You have Kevin Nash. He's got his short hair with a tattoo on his forearm, which looks awesome. You got Hogan, and this is Hollywood Hogan, all in black with a black bandana. Really great looking figure. You got the blueprint, Matt Morgan, and then you got Eric Young. So those are your unreleased figures. That's a lot of unreleased figures. Considering to start, the line we were discussing was six figures, and now you have seven, a potential another set release. That's pretty crazy that they actually have protos, almost completed protos of seven more figures that were unreleased. Amazing. I knew about a couple of the ones you mentioned, but I didn't realize there were so many that weren't released in the series. You had the potential to have Beer Money, Jay Lethal, Kevin Nash, Hogan, The Blueprint, and Eric Young in an entire another set. That's amazing. If you look at those superstars now, I mean, look, you got AJ, Samoa Joe, Sting, Angle, Suicide, Jarrett, Hogan. I Are you kidding me? These are a must-have for your collection. Oh, that lineup, especially looking at the top stars today, past. I love that Jeff Jarrett. I mean, I feel like you need, for some reason for me, I think that figure is awesome, man. I love that one in the line. The suicide's great. The whole line's great. But that Jarrett really stands out for me. It does. You can go over and you can find these on eBay. They're not that expensive. 20 bucks, 15 bucks, And... You can also find them at places like the wrestlingsuperstore.com, which is FTC. They got that Jarrett right now for 20 bucks if you want to drop it. These four packs are available online. The three packs are available online. So we are highly suggesting you get a couple of the Genesis for the collection because they're fun five POA figures. They are something like we've never seen before in wrestling. The only thing that this reminds me of is Jack's BCA, but better. Because the bolds and the body styles are better. Yeah, they are. That's it. I mean, you could, they're harder plastic, but they're five POA like the the Jack's BCA line. And they have awesome, highly, highly detailed scanned heads. Amazing figures. Get them for your collection. I agree. I feel like you never see these in any collector's collections. Like I mentioned before, Will, I don't know why. It could be, you know, maybe they're just like, "Ah, I don't need them or you know, they get put on the back burner. They're easily forgotten as far as the TNA line. Sometimes you don't see them when you're searching other TNA figures to purchase. If you're going down that TNA road, you don't see these pop up that often. You know, maybe some collectors feel like they don't need them. But if you look at that lineup, like you, like you mentioned before, I mean, I feel like you need these in your collection. Definitely do, Joe. I'm buying them right now. And you'll see them posted (laughs) on the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast Instagram account at SQD Circle AFP coming soon, baby. And that's why you will never forget the name Jack's Pacific TNA Genesis. Genesis. Look at this! Look at this! You talk about a house of fire, you're seeing it right here! And welcome back to this week's edition of Busted 
Busted. Open. We're back. We've we've come around the corner, whatever you want to call it. We've come around the corner. We've circled the neighborhood. And we're back. I told everybody that I was going to be getting the Figures Toy Company Legends of Professional Wrestling Hoovy Juice, baby, the Hooventude Guerrera. And it is in my presence. And we're here to do a pretty constructive review and bust it open. I'm pumped up, Will. I have this figure too, uh, the Hoovy. You know, you know, me and you, MOCs. I never took it out of the package, so I'm actually excited to be personally. I'm actually excited to do this segment, man. <laughs> I had no idea he came with the belt until you said it. I I know. So, to our listeners here, Joe and I, we are hashtag men on card for life, baby. And what's fun about these FTC figures, really quick. Before we get into busting it open and reviewing it, these come on a card or kind of case, which is resealable. So they give you like a protective case, which is so cool. So even though I'm busting it open, I can slide Hoovy right back in, snap the case together, and boom, he's protected. He's in his case. He's in his tray. And that's one of the reasons I really love these figures, toy company figures. Yeah, same here. Well, I like the cases of them. You know, I like the protective cases for figures in general. So the way the figure figures, toy company figures come, the case is, is uh, you know, it's, it's sturdy. I, I like it. I like the way it feels. And, you know, having the figure displayed in there, it's, it's cool. I, I enjoy it. It's really like a Zola World case or yeah. a ringside collectible protective case, but Instead of having your carded figure go in it, they already have the card in it. It's separate from the figure. The figure is in a little tray. It's got the twist ties around it. So you can literally just take the figure right out, keep the card in in the protective case, untie your hoovy juice, take them out. When you're done with them, you can put them back in, put the twist ties right around them again, and boom, he's right back into the case. Min on card for life, baby. So let's get into it. I do want to say, yes, they hide the accessories for these figures. You can't see them. Like I got a blue mini as well. He came with a chair. I didn't even know he came with a chair. It wasn't advertised as such. And when I got him, I found a chair behind him. With this Juventud <laughs> Guerrero, the same thing. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, wow, there's a title. It's not even advertised with the title. FTC, if you're listening, advertise the accessories with your figures. It's a selling point. <laughs> Dude, I had no idea it came with the title until you said it. And then I looked at my figure. I'm like, oh my God, there's a title. Crazy, right? It's um, the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, bro. So aside from that, card's great. Love the back of the card. It's basic. You know, it's got yellow or I would say gold and black motif on it. It's got a Hoovy portrait right next to the figure. It says Hooventu Guerrera. It lists every pretty much wrestler that they've made in their Rising Stars line and in their Legends line on the back of the card. So let's get into busting this figure open. So it's got a zip tie on the top with the Figures Toy Company logo. So that's how they close their figures using the zip tie. So we're going we're gonna to crack that zip tie open first. Hopefully we can hear that. So I got the, the scissors You're, right here. So here it comes. Are you are you uh, nervous? You sweating at all? 
I'm not sweating today, baby, because this can go right on the card, right back on the card. Hashtag MOC for life, baby. So this is like a busted open in parentheses a little bit. Kind of, kind of, because <laughs> you can you can cheat with these guys. So, all right, here I'm going to do it. Let's see. Let's see if we can hear it. Oh, oh. there it Damn, goes. I, I just got scared a little. I know. Cutting things open here, baby. All right. After you take the figure, I need you to cut the case with the razor blade and destroy it. No, I will never do that. Now I'm here. Now you're getting. Now I'm sweating. Stop. <laughs> I don't need. I don't even want to think about that, Joe. Jesus. You just. You just. My my heart skipped a beat when I heard you say that. I'll take a razor blade <laughs> in my beautiful case here. Uh, Hoovy's going right back in the case after we're done with this. Hoovy Juice was one of the reasons I used to watch Nitro. As crazy as that of is. Of course he was. Of course I don't know, you know. So he comes with a belt. And let me describe this belt to you. So this is a generic cruiserweight title, which is interesting. It's got a guy on it. I don't know who the hell he is. Wings in the background. It says cruiserweight. It's, it's basically a boot, like a bootleg cruiserweight title. It looks good, though. I mean, it looks like it's a hard plastic style belt. Looks good. I like it. It it satisfies my need for a cruiserweight title with the juice. Here we go. Untying the twist ties, which are great. I love that they use hard twist ties, like hard plastic twist ties on these figures. They, yeah. they survive. Again, you can put them right back in the twist ties. So I love that. So he's coming out right now. As you can hear. Hoovy Juice. Hoovy Juice, the Juice Man. And we want to give a shout out to the Hoovy Juice, Juventud Guerrero. He's been uh, liking a lot of our posts on Instagram and Twitter. So thank you so much, Juventud Guerrero. We appreciate. Oh, here we go. He's popping out. Oh, there goes the twist tie. There's the second one. Here he comes. Not a lot of noise this time, guys, because there's no crunching. That's how clean the FTC stuff is. So. I got Hoovy out here. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, Joe. He's got some weight to him. He's got some nice weight. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 not too light. He's got some nice weight. He's got great arm movement. It's tight. I think the um the joints are good. They're not too loose. They stand well. That's positive for the Hoovy figure. The waist is a little loose it's tight in some areas and loose in others which i find interesting i mean this is a jacks ra body guys so if you like classic superstars if you like ruthless aggression these are what you're gonna get with the figures toy company figures they are ra style bodies cs style bodies so that's what you're getting I got him out of the package. So on the back of his tights, he does have air hoovy on the back, which is cool. The tights are one side is purple. One side is yellow and the boots are red, black detailing around them, around the bottom of the boots. The mask is very highly detailed too. I love the head scan. It's like a young Juventud Guerrera. The tattoo is interesting. The tattoos and the, the tight, deco are interesting it looks like almost like a i don't know it's like almost like a sticker it's like you could see it you know like does it say hoovy on the back of the tights it kind of looks strange the way that looks it does say hoovy it says air hoovy so it's supposed to have him it's like a and then like a michael jordan character and then r and then it says j u v i but the v looks like a u it looks very sloppy sloppy yes yeah 
It it is misplaced, and the air and the hoovy are different, different yes. fonts. You know, like different writing. Okay, so we went over all the good, right? So far with this figure. So what I love about it is that I love the RA style body. I love the fact that you can slip it right into your classic superstar collection or ruthless aggression Jack specific collection. So that's great. I absolutely love that my joints on this figure are pretty tight. So they're not super loose like they've been in the past. I know that's been a huge complaint on some of the past Figures Toy Company products. I love the face sculpt. Figures Toy Company does not use scanning technology. They can't afford it. They're a small company. So they sculpt all the faces or heads for their figures. And I think this is spot on. You couldn't even tell if it was a scanner or sculpt. That's how good it is. Yeah. I also want to say that I thought that the paint, at least the paint on the tights and the singlet was bad to begin with, but I like it now that I'm seeing it in person out of the package. It's a little grainy, but not overly grainy. I think it works for the figure. Those are my positive critiques about the figure. The negatives, I would have to say, are the tattoos. The tattoo deco looks like it's almost like a sticker. Not yeah. really well done at all. It's kind of even peeling off in places. And then, like you said, some of the paintwork and the detailing on the tights is just a little sloppy. It looks misplaced or there's like paint rub. That's what I'm getting there. That would be my major gripe with these figures is the attention to detail. So we're looking at providing Figures Toy Company with some constructive criticism. My main gripe would be attention to detail in the paintwork, number one, and number two, quality assurance and quality control to make sure these figures are being painted correctly and that they are leaving the factory in good order. Because once they're received here on the mainland and they're being sent to customers, you know, you have to have a figure that that looks good, right? You don't want a figure that has paint smudge or paint peeling or tattoo peeling or anything like that, you know? Unfortunately, in this case, I did get a figure with some of those things on it. That is my assessment of this Hoovy. I think it's a must-have for your collection. I think you got to get it. Regardless of all the negatives of the figure, I think the positives outweigh the negatives, including this awesome, awesome packaging. It's very thoughtful, the packaging. I think it's incredible that you can put him back in the packaging. I absolutely love that they gave him a title. So thumbs up, but not way up for me. It sounds like, you know, overall the figure... If you're a Huvitu Guerrero fan, you're happy to actually get a figure, especially if the mask is a little older. It depicts kind of like his younger days before WCW almost. The way you described it, well, I'm definitely interested in the figure a little more because in the package, you know, the paint looked a little off. It looked a little grainy, like we mentioned in one of our previous episodes. So actually having the figure in hand, it sounds like overall it's okay. You display it with the title. I feel like if, you know, it fits in with your other figures as far as, you know, scale, especially your other Jax figures, you know, you could put Hoovy with the Ray and display them together. Hoovy with other superstars, same scale looks cool, especially with the belt. I like the figure. Is it the best, you know, rendition of a Hoovitu Guerrero figure? Probably not, but there aren't too many out there. So I'm happy just to have a Hoovy figure. Yeah, I do want to say one last thing, Joe, as we 
as we continue with the review of this figure. I would have to say it's probably the best Juventude Guerrero we have right now, but it's unfortunate that the paint detail on this up close is bad. I really wish that they just did some tighter work with the paint with the paint on the figure. From far away, if you put this into your collection, loose on display, you're not even going to notice it, right? But if it's up close in your hand and you're inspecting the figure, I got a little paint rub on the chest here. I got a little paint rub on the back of the butt. The joints have a little paint rub in them. Yeah, the, the, the paint looked a little weird in the package. Yeah, it's just it's just not up to par with what's out there. And if you take that into consideration, you look at the price point of these figures, it could be a tough sell. Like if you sour someone, and not to say that, look, I have not reached out to FTC about replacing my figure or anything like that, right? I don't do that. I have never done that with any figure I get because I expect something, right? I expect the figure to be what it should be. And if it's not, it just is what it is. You know, if they continue to not improve, I won't buy the product, but I won't write them off. I wouldn't write FTC off. I wouldn't write Mattel off. You know, sometimes maybe some of this paint stuff can happen. If it continues to happen, then it needs to be addressed. Again, it's not that bad for me right now. You know what I want to ask you, Will? Um, Say if you're actually playing with the figure. Um, Say if you're a kid and you're going back and you're looking at the older superstars and you're a fan of the Lucha Libre style figures and superstars and you stumble on the Hoovitude figure, you take him out of the package, you start playing with him. I have to ask, do you think while you're playing with this figure, it's going to fall apart? Yes, it will fall apart. Okay. I, I had to ask because I was very curious out of the package. If you're a kid and you actually get your hands on this figure, you know, a lot of kids are online nowadays, you know, looking at different wrestling figures. Is it going to fall apart if you play with it? So uh, it's good to know. I think it would fall apart personally. I also think that paint would chip very easily on this figure. This is to me a collectible item at 30 plus dollars, close to $40 after shipping. I would look at this more as a collectible item than a toy for children. I also want to take the time to say that these remind me a lot of customs. Yeah. At least in the paint detailing and the tattoo work. I'm getting a lot of custom vibes here. And some people absolutely love that. If you're a fan of customizing, you may absolutely love these figures. I mean, because it does have that kind of look to it. It almost has like a custom look to it. I would say that's my take. Again, I think FTC is doing some great work. I think that they need to improve on some areas that we discussed here today. And it was fun to actually get one of these figures and review them. My next purchases from here i want to get that shane douglas figure for the ecw shelf obviously right jerry lynn got to get the jerry lynn and the mikey whipwreck the mikey whipwreck is actually higher on my list than all of them so i'm probably what i'm going to do this time around is i'm going to get the mikey whipwreck and the shane together we'll come back we'll do a review we'll do a review of them again once we get those in hand yeah we'll do a double review i'm a big ecw fan so they have to be a part of my ecw collection must-haves we'll do another review and we'll go from there man but i love this this is the juice baby i mean this is going to look great next to my ray mysterio jr i'm gonna pose him next to him so check out for uh, pictures on the instagram and twitter 
And we'll do some close-up images as well of the juice. Will, I got something that might excite you a little bit before we end this. You ready? Yeah, wh- what's that? Are you getting excited? Of course I am. I'm dancing in my chair. What are you talking about? Is this bringing you back to Nitro? Hell yeah. The debut of Thunder? The debut of Thunder, baby. Where he wins the Cruiserweight belt? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) That's great. Every now and then, like the like, uh, if you go back and listen to our previous episodes, like Mike, awesome man. You know, we just had the awesome music on the phone. Little nostalgia. Little nostalgia. We don't want to do anything high high fi here. We don't do high fi here. We're doing everything VHS, baby. (laughs) It's VHS style. All right. Well, for everybody, this was not a sweat for me. I'm, I'm getting a little sweaty now. I think he's got to go back in the packaging sooner than later. So we think this Hoovie, Hoovie Juice, this Hoovie 2 Guerrero, Figures Toy Company, FTC, Legends of Professional Wrestling figure is a great figure. Go out and get one. They got to work on some things. Hopefully they address them as they get better at doing this. I heard they're moving to a new factory and everything, but check back next week. When we choose another figure or figures to bust it, bust it. Open. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to And welcome to this week's main event. Joe, we have a match for our listeners this week. It's a match that actually the pay-per-view was named after. It's as Mr. Man would say, he's gonna be buried alive. As you heard from Mr. McMahon, we're at In Your House 11. Buried Alive, October 20th, 1996, in Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Market Square Arena. You got 9,600-plus people in attendance to see the match, the main event between The Undertaker and Mankind. It's an unsanctioned WWF... We get the F in at the Square Circle Action Figure Podcast, baby. Unsanctioned match by the wwf mcmahon says it in the beginning of this match unsanctioned and the theme of the match is you gotta bury your opponent alive buried alive looking back well 1996 when they announced this match you know i was a young kid and i got to watch this live on pay-per-view i remember being so excited just because you know back in 1996 Prior to this, you know, like WWF was kind of goofy, you know, 94 and even 93, like you're like, okay, 94, 95 was probably the worst year ever. So 
when they amp it up, they say they're going to do a buried alive match. You look at it on paper, you know, you got Mankind and Undertaker. We just seen the Boiler Room Brawl two months prior. Paul Bears with Mankind. You throw that into the mix, one of them putting each other uh, six feet under in a grave. You know, you got Mankind, you got the dead man. 1996, I was amped up. I was amped up as well. Coming off the NWO, the roller coaster ride with the NWO. You had this pay-per-view, which is counter-programming to the WCW Halloween Havoc, which happens a week later, right? You have Cactus Jack. Everybody knew it was Mick Foley. You knew he was going to do something crazy coming off the Boiler Room Brawl. It was a crazy, crazy match. You got The Undertaker involved, The Phenom, The Dead Man, and this match from the beginning is incredible. You have first Mankind enter with Paul Bearer. He's now managing Mankind, and that's the goal, to bury the dead man. So they come out first, come out to the music, did the whole thing Mankind used to do, ripping out the hair, hush, hush, all that crazy shit, (laughs) stabbing himself. Wasai! Wasai! Count how many times he says Wasai in a match, in this match in particular. It was like bang, bang, basically, you know? How many times did he say bang, bang in a match? He basically just took bang, bang. McMahon was like, no, you can't use bang, bang because you can't use things that you develop in other promotions. So you have to say what's that? <laughs> anyway, I digress from bashing WWF creative because this was really a changing point. Love this match. I think this pay-per-view and this time period was a distinct changing point in their programming and this was an example of that but there was some goofy movements in this match which we'll talk about later what's really interesting about this match as we talk about the entrance is undertaker actually comes out second but he doesn't have this grand entrance he doesn't have the cape on he doesn't have the hat on the lights are down he comes out he's already in his wrestling attire and he just beelines to the ring. And then the match starts. Yeah. And, you know, you could probably relate. When you're when you're a younger kid and you have a character on screen like Mankind, similar to like when you had Kane, these kind of characters, you're like, they can't feel pain. You can't beat them. You think of all these things. Well, Undertaker hits the ring and he just starts letting loose on Mankind. But in a way, when you're you're a kid watching this, I feel like from that perspective, you're almost like, all right, well, he's doing all this to Mankind. It doesn't matter. Mankind can't really feel it. He doesn't care. He's deranged. He's crazy. You could beat him to a bloody pulp and it won't matter. So Undertaker's on the offense for, you know, the beginning of the match. You know, he's really laying it into him. You know, he's got him in the turnbuckle, you know, classic Undertaker punches. He's really laying it on him. But at the same time, you're like, eh, for me personally, I was like, eh, it doesn't really matter. You know, Mankind's Mankind. Exactly. I felt the same way watching this as a kid. You're behind the Undertaker. You're rooting for the Undertaker. But it was funny how the match, the storytelling and the match took place. Undertaker is really on the offensive. Traditionally, the Undertaker was the person taking the offense. He was the mankind character. He was the phenom. Exactly. Yeah. There was a role reversal there, which was very intriguing. And as a king, you're like, wow, I don't think he's going to beat Mankind. Even if he beats him to a bloody pulp, he'll just get up and then we'll have a rematch of some sort again. 
I think it was interesting. It was an interesting dynamic. <laughs> exactly. And even in the start of this match, so the mid-match, the Undertaker's dominating. The Undertaker comes off the top rope to the floor. First 10 minutes of the match, he does a clothesline off the top rope to the floor to try to stop Mankind. Still doesn't hurt him. They go out. They do a back and forth from the grave to the ring. They go out again. They get back into the ring. They went to the grave about two times during the match. I didn't understand that. That's very interesting. A little weird to me, you know? Yeah, I didn't understand that. At first, you know, they go to the uh, site in the beginning of the match. It's almost, you know, he lays the offense on. Then they go to the site. I'm like, oh, wow, that was quick. But then they go back to the ring. And then they leave the ring. They go back to the gravesite. They go back to the ring. So you're like, um, what's happening here? Where's this match going? Exactly. I think they wanted to tease you with this. You know, as a kid watching this, I remember watching it on pay-per-view. McMahon would say, oh, they're getting close to the grave. They're getting close to the grave. So I think they wanted to use it as a tease, building it, getting put close to that point. But then you go to the finish. Undertaker is still on the offensive. Before they go to the gravesite a final time, Undertaker gets a steel chair, steel steps, puts him in the ring. They do a spot with the steel steps, hits mankind. Wow. Wax him with those steel steps. You could hear that thing outside the arena. Mick was taking shots back then. You'll never see again in professional wrestling. It's sad because they were great. I know. And they finally go to the gravesite for the last time. Yeah, they go out to the gravesite and you're like, okay, I think they're going to stay by the grave a little longer here. Who's going to go six feet under? Is it going to be Mankind? Is he just going to get up? Is is he going to beat The Undertaker again? Because, you know, Mankind was riding pretty high as far as facing The Undertaker and attacking him and beating him. And with Paul Bear on Mankind's side, I was almost like, okay, I think Mankind's going to beat The Undertaker again. There's going to be a switch here. When's it going to happen? You know, Mankind's one of the main, you know, characters, one of the main guys in WWF at the time, especially facing The Undertaker. So watching the match, I was like, okay, I think Mankind's going to bury him or Paul Bear's going to help. You know, they're fighting by the grave, this and that. Mankind puts him in the mandible claw. Then you have the Undertaker, you know, try to set him up for the choke slam, And then he puts him into the grave, belly down for some odd reason, but he puts him into the grave nonetheless. Yeah, I don't know how he gets turned over there. I don't know if he flops around in the grave. <laughs> he legitimately choke slams him on his back into the grave. He must turn around or something because he's ass backwards in that grave, bro. I don't know. And face down. It makes no fucking sense. But choke slam into the grave. And then Undertaker just starts shoveling the dirt on top of him. He gets maybe seven shovels in and they call the match. So Undertaker wins the match. I was just like, what's going on? I was pretty baffled. He wins the match, Undertaker. But here's where it all begins to change. And this man, he's another Bam Bam. But in this pay-per-view, we know him as the Executioner. 
Oh God, where, where where do we begin with the executioner? So he comes to the. Uh, you're like, who the hell is that? At first, because you know the internet back then took me like three hours to try to get on the internet. So Non-existent. You're like, you're like, who the hell is this? Someone <laughs> comes to the ring, cracks the Undertaker in his back full force with a fucking shovel. And you're I like, mean, did, did he just break uh, the shovel on his spine? I thought he had cracked his back. The thud of the shovel. <laughs> We're talking about mankind, Mick Foley, taking the steel steps. The executioner is Terry Bam Bam Gordy. He fucking nails the Undertaker from behind yeah. with a shovel shot that you could hear across the country. What makes this scary, Will, when you mention the shovel shot, is that they hired Gordy Bam Bam, and they almost knew. Like, they gave him the gimmick. They covered his face because they didn't want you to know it was Bam Bam Gordy. I feel Vince McMahon, you know, he had his doubts. He knew that Gordy could still compete, but not as effectively as he used to. Like, he's pretty much still kind of fucked up. So they put a mask on him. They know he can't compete like he used to. They know he's a little off. Something's wrong with him. And they didn't want to taint his past legacy. So they put him as the executioner. But my point is... He hasn't really competed, you know, on and off here and there, you know, is he still, you know, drugs, drinking, you know, alcohol, that kind of thing. But they let him crack the Undertaker in his back with a shovel. And I feel like he wasn't even in the right state of mind when he was doing that. Yeah, you he may have not been, Joe. I agree. Running out there, Joe, cracks the Undertaker over the back with the shovel, right? And this is where it all goes to shit. I mean, as a kid, you're watching this and you're like, you're just amazed at what you just saw. You just saw a brutal match. It was unlike anything you've seen other than the boiler room brawl, buried alive. The theatrics are there. You are enthralled by it. You're like, wow, this is incredible. New, fresh. And then you get to the burying portion of this match. And Undertaker lands on the mound of dirt. Mankind is still in the grave buried. Gordy gets in the grave, starts digging Mankind out with his hands. This is ridiculous. This is hilarious. That should give you a clue uh, as to what he was thinking and what was going on. <laughs> I know. I don't even know if he knows what was going on. Mankind gets up, gets out of the grave. They both get out of the grave, and then Paul Bearer has a shovel, and both of them throw Undertaker into the grave, and then they start shoveling dirt on the Undertaker, but not with the shovel that Paul Bear has, but with their hands. How does that make any sense? It's like they all shared Terry Gordy's brain at the same time. I don't know. Maybe McMahon did too at the time. Nobody thought this through. So, say we're in minute one of the shoveling. Executioner, Mankind, start shoveling dirt over the undertaker in minute one with their hands paul bearer comes in the urns everywhere the urns flying everywhere it's flying on the ground it's everywhere the urn is just a prop it's always a prop but it's just crazy it's not even important at this point paul bearer starts shoveling with the shovel two people on your hands and knees shoveling the dirt in the grave paul bearer and shoveling the dirt with the shovel and then all of a sudden 
The light starts flickering on and off, and the locker room starts empty. You got the likes of Justin Hawk Bradshaw, oh, Crush, Triple H, uh. and the first one out, Gold Dust, with shovels in hand, start coming out to the mound and oh start shoveling God. dirt on The Undertaker. It's like, uh, I didn't know Undertaker had this many enemies. <laughs> Is this a new faction that we're getting here of uh all the mid carters you know oh my you, you God. didn't know you really didn't know you're like who's under that mask this i don't even want to know so mcmahon is saying that this is paul bears minions and they want to bury the undertaker alive <laughs> they're like oh my god they're like this is Paul Bear's minute and they want to bury them alive. <laughs> it's basically the everybody who lost on the pay-per-view came out. <laughs> if you think about it. Like Justin Hawk Bradshaw lost to the fucking stalker uh, for some reason. Jesus. Um Stone Cold beat Triple H in one of the most boring matches ever. Uh, of all time. Oh my god. <laughs> who else? Gold Dust lost to Mark Murrow. Everybody who lost came out. So you had all them shoveling, mind you. One minute. We're three minutes into the shoveling now, and they keep shoveling and shoveling, shoveling. We're five minutes shoveling, shoveling, shoveling. The shoveling takes place for a good six, seven minutes, and the fans are just starting to chant rest in peace. But they get so pissed off at this so thing that the soda cups, the beer cups start flying into the grave. So they're shoveling <laughs> and there's ice. It's chaos, complete chaos. You got beer cups, <laughs> soda cups, ice. And McMahon's like, they're burying him alive. They're burying him alive. They're burying the undertaker alive. He's like, they're burying the only person who's holding this company up right now. <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm fucking sitting here watching this shit. I'm getting tired. I think I turned it off at that point. You probably did turn it off at or that the point. Or the pay-per-view might have cut They probably cut the fucking pay-per-view. Who knows? I forgot. Finally, everybody that lost leaves for some reason. You have the Executioner, Mankind, and Paul Bearer left, and Paul Bearer finally picks up the urn that's been kicked around 15 times like, oh, there it is. around the gravesite. Insignificant at this point. And you have Mankind take the shovel that he was not using, mind you, take the shovel and literally stick the shovel into the dirt. McMahon's like, oh my god, The Undertaker is buried alive. And boom, the lightning comes down and the hand comes out of the grave. So they had a compartment underneath. The hand actually comes out of the grass in front of the grave, not out of the dirt. So Undertaker went into that compartment while they were burying him. And he's under there sitting there like, what the fuck's going on here? It's taken so much time. He crawled out. Hand comes out. Everybody's chanting. Everybody's going crazy. And McMahon is like, 
The Undertaker lives on forever. He's alive. The Undertaker lives on forever. And that's basically the end of the match. I'll tell you one thing. Being a kid, I really enjoyed the lightning part. I didn't enjoy the other part. Took forever. It reminded me of the casket match when Yoko put him in the casket, put Undertaker in the casket. 50,000 people come out and put him in that casket. And God, they had to rehash that again. That's crazy. They just rehashed it, you know? And I remember Bam Bam just laying his body across the casket so the Undertaker couldn't get out and shit. And then eventually he comes out of the Titantron, which is really awesome. I think it's better than him coming out of the grave. All kidding aside, the theatrics were kind of ridiculous. It's a great match. Love the match. But the theatrics, wow, what was going on there? They're just bad. That's kind of our main event, but we found the best figures that depict the wrestlers from this main event. And I'll tell you, they have one of the greatest sets, four packs of all time to commemorate this match. And it was produced by Jack Pacific in 1997. A year later, it is the Jack Pacific BCA special edition target exclusive buried alive collectors set. And boy, Joe, we love this set. I love this set. I I love the box. I like how it's like a silver, you know, the box is silver. Very live letters are black and yellow, and it's a special edition four pack, which is really cool. So it comes as a uh, a four pack. You get Paul Bear, you get Mankind, which I love that friggin' Jack's 1996 Mankind. I can never get enough of that figure. That was Mankind's first figure, and I remember getting that as a kid and oh man. So that right off the bat, I just love the four pack because of that. So you get Paul Bear, you get Mankind, you get the Undertaker, which comes with pretty cool cape. I want to say this isn't confirmed, Will, but I want to say from the other Jack's Undertaker's face is a little fatter. The head's a little thicker and there's not too much of a neck for this figure. So that's what makes me think this head's a little different. And same thing with the boots. The boots are, I feel like, are a little different in this one. So you get the Paul Bear, Mankind, Undertaker, and this four pack, which I think a lot of collectors nowadays is after, is this is the only way to get the Executioner figure is in this Jack's four pack, which you get Terry Bam Bam. You know, you get him as the Executioner, which to me makes the four pack pretty sought after. You know, with the four of them, especially the Executioner. It comes with a mini shovel, a rest in peace tombstone, and of course the urn. So you put all that together with the Buried Alive match, the special edition four pack, something you need in your collection, especially if you're a Jax collector. I agree, Joe. It is one of my favorite four packs of all time. It's a must have for a Jax BCA collector or anybody that wants to have a set that depicts a moment in professional wrestling history because this does it so well. The execution, not the executioner, but the execution of this is amazing. Jax did a wonderful job. They nailed it. The accessories are amazing. You get the urn, the shovel, albeit a small shovel. It's like a fucking gardening shovel. Yeah, literally like a gardening shovel. You get the grave. You get an executioner axe, which I don't even know why they put that in there. It was part of his promotional photo. Yeah, that's like a miniature. It's like a little hatchet they put in there. 
little hatchet axe style which is okay but what's weird about it is that mankind's holding it and the executioner isn't holding it makes no fucking sense who the heck knows it is one of my favorite four packs of all time aside from that it checks all the boxes it's a really memorable moment in professional wrestling history they did a wonderful job commemorating it in this buried alive figure set I do agree with you. It's sought after because of the exclusive executioner figure. There's not much There's not much else I could say about it. It's a pretty interesting year for these packs too. You have some really great ones. You had the Nation of Domination, Toys R Us exclusive. You had the championship title box set, which was a Toys R Us exclusive too. This was a really the year of great BCA play sets. Yeah, the champion... I remember, I remember the championship title series uh, where, you know, those belts are exclusive to that to that four pack and so on. The Survivor Series um, four pack. I mean, there there were so many cool four packs back then that Jax put out. And 1997 was the genesis of it all. The championship title box at the year is the only way you could get the titles for your figures, so it was a must have. But this buried alive playset was just incredible. It is probably my favorite box set of the year. Championship title box set coming second, and then the Nation of Domination coming after that. Really, a fantastic box set. I love carbacks. I know you love the carbacks. We love to describe what the cards and boxes look like to our listeners. They always had a fun description on the back, and I used to love reading them when I was a kid. It really got me into the moment. I got excited, you know, turn the box set around. I'd read it. I'd relive the memory. I'd tear that thing open, take the figures out, and I'd be playing with them. And it was just so great. A little special dialogue of what was said on the Jack Pacific Special Edition Buried Alive Collector's Set. The World Wrestling Federation's first ever Buried Alive match at October's In Your House saw an aggressive new dimension to the bitter feud between The Undertaker and Mankind. In order to claim the victory, one superstar had to completely cover his opponent under almost a ton of dirt in a makeshift gravesite. The risk of suffocation, or a much worse fate, was an enormous danger to both. And although the man from the dark side faced the final burial that night, due to the interference of the mysterious executioner, something not of this world delivered the Undertaker back from the dead. Amazing, Joe. And accurate, which I love. So when I talked about taking you back, taking you back when you were a kid, reinforcing that moment in wrestling history, that's what we need with our wrestling figures these days. We need that reinforcement. We need those memories. I remember being in my backyard. I recreated the Buried Alive match with Mankind and The Undertaker. And it was fun, man. I, I remember burying them both, covering them in dirt. I was like, back then, I was like obsessed with this match, even though time, I didn't watch it over and over. Like, it wasn't one of my favorite, favorite kind of matches. But I remember recreating the matches with my figures, man. I used to love doing that. Same here, Joe. Used to love doing it as well. And again, I think back then, as we discussed in last week's episode, toys were made for kids first, collector second, and 
you had the opportunity to remember and relive those moments with your wrestling figures. And that's what we want to continue to do in this day, 10, 15, 20 years from now. So with that said, we are going to bury this week's main event, the Buried Alive match from 1996 in your house 11 was very memorable. And that is the one, two, three of this week's main event. So don't forget to tune in next week because the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast is the gold standard in wrestling figure collecting.